Hi guys, I'm Kristen and this is Carla. Hi. Join us as we explore origin stories and fun facts or something. We're back. Whoops, I'm already knocking my mic over somehow. It's like I didn't move. We were chatting before the show started. I was, yeah, wasn't moving were. at all. And the second we started recording, I'm just like... Yeah, everything collapses. My yeah, yeah, studio is flying. <laughs> my walk-in closet studio. It's very fine. My not walk-in closet studio. <laughs> Everyone picture it. I'm like wedged oh my gosh. in. Someday you know, we funny? need to I, like put a picture of your various podcasting <laughs> forts that you build. <laughs> I know. Now I'm like really liking my spot where like um, I'm positioned in my closet and then I can like look out my window and there's always birds sitting out there and it's like this perfect thing. But I just work in here. So like people, if they want to come in, I'm just in my closet. Yeah, so if someone looked into your room, it's like, Carla's not here. No, I'm working in my closet. I love it. I love it so much. And it's so funny because I've gotten so lazy with like putting, I have a little foldable desk or not mm-hmm. really desk, kind of like a TV tray in my yeah. closet. And I move my, my chair <laughs> that's at my actual desk in here. Yeah. But I've gotten so lazy about like putting, <laughs> normally I put it down and tuck it away and put the chair away, like clean yeah. it all up afterwards. But for the last like few weeks, I've just been leaving it. So there's just this chair in the middle of the closet and I totally forget that poor Greg has to come in here and get his stuff. So sometimes I'll see stuff moved over and I was like, hey, who moved my desk? I'm like, oh, the other human being who also needs to share this space, you jerk. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Poor Greg. Oh my gosh. I say I leave my stuff, but I'm pretty, you know me with my weird, like, oh everything my has to be tucked away somewhere. Yeah. Is it all tucked in some weird corners? <laughs> <laughs> well, the other day, I like I had to keep like working, like researching, right? And so <laughs> I went to sit down in my closet and I saw that my table was with my like desk table, whatever was tucked way back in its usual area and I got so mad. I'm like, why did I put it away neatly? Like, leave it. It's just I'm the queen of leaving stuff everywhere. Like, I like I'd like to think that I would tidy stuff up right away, but it takes a long time. It's a real slow I'm burn for me. I only like that with clean laundry. I at any oh, point no. you will probably find a pile of clean laundry in my room just like sitting there. Yeah. I don't fold it. I don't hang my clothing. I just leave it there. Same. Like, I have, I'll have i have laundry in bags because we take it down to our laundry <laughs> yeah. room, right? Yeah. So my big Ikea bag that fits a bunch <laughs> of laundry. So nice. it'd be, like, clean, dry laundry in there. Always, like, socks and underwear and whatever. The yeah. dryable stuff, right? <laughs> and it'll just be sitting in our room <laughs> for, like weeks and then I'll be like where is all my underwear like what is I'll get so enraged I'm like oh it's in that bag that's been sitting there for weeks if you just and I that will not be enough to prompt me to put that laundry away I'll just like kind of like dig through it in a frustrated way that I can't find what I'm looking for still you know what I've actually (sighs) done before like this is how I don't know what my version is to putting stuff away (laughs) I have done it where I have my stuff fresh out of the dryer Mm -hmm. and if it's like the stuff that can kind it be dried on like the delicate thing yeah like certain t-shirts or whatever i will go to the trouble of laying them out on my little table in my room right and like just making a nicely kind of laid out pile which takes time (laughs) no (laughs) 
nicely folded. You know, nothing's going to get wrinkled, but it's still in a pile. I'm like, oh just hang God. it. <laughs> folded. The effort we put into not doing certain things. Right? It would, just, it would just be so much easier if we just did the thing we're supposed to do. Side note, my what mic is like kind rebels. of in front of me. Huh? I said yeah, we're we rebels. We are. Yeah. <laughs> my mic is like in front of me and it's just kind of blocking my view of the video, right? Yeah. And <laughs> keep moving away from it, annoyed. Like, <laughs> get out of my way, thing. I'm like, you need to talk into that thing. You can't just like. It's only a matter like, of I'm time leaning before so hard. Carla yeah. pushes her mic to the other side of the table <laughs> in the middle of her topic that she's talking about. <laughs> It's so annoying. I don't uh, like it. Ugh. Oh my gosh. All right, should we get started? It's yes. me first this week. Me first. Yep. Me first. Okay. <laughs> so, this week I am doing the origin of cheerleading. No reaction from Carla. No, you because... Doing it? No. Okay. No, this is exciting because I was listening to a podcast a long time ago <laughs> yeah. and they just touched on a tiny part of it. Oh. And I think maybe where the word pom-pom came from or something like that. Okay. So I'm all in. Do you remember in the 80s <laughs> was that episode, or 90s was it? Those like TV movies of like the mo- cheerleader mom in the who 90s, kills the other. The Texas cheerleader mom yeah. who took out a hit on her. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't put it in the thing even though I found it. I was like, I should talk about this. And like everybody knows a cheerleader yeah. killer mom, but I don't know if everybody does know that. Well, they do now. Good they do now. This woman <laughs> wanted her daughter to be a cheerleader. Nice. She took out a hit on a, the co- competition. It didn't happen. She got caught, but there's, whole, there's movies about it in case people don't As know. you do. Yeah. Wait, oh my God, don't kill me, but I forgot to mention something. Okay. I watched um, that uh, Netflix, The Toys That Made Us series. It's oh, yeah, so, yeah. so, so good. It is so entertaining and funny. <laughs> kind of jealous because it's basically our show, but a little bit like more budget and video and pictures and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. I braved watching the Barbie episode. Oh, okay. Because I was scared. I'm like, I don't want to be just an idiot right yeah but like we covered a lot of like the same stuff so i don't have to feel like a moron excellent so we are better than that tv show nobody watched that tv show you only listen to our podcast (laughs) let's get really watch it it's really good you guys yeah (laughs) watch it but also listen to us and rate review and subscribe (laughs) we'll get really whiny if you don't but you did that wine (laughs) perk How about you just start? <laughs> You're the one who interrupted me. This is what you get. <laughs> okay. The origin of cheerleading. Two, four, six, eight. Do 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 we do appreciate do do. you, me. <laughs> okay, so I honestly was half expecting to find a thing of like back in ancient Rome they had cheerleaders or whatever like I honestly was thinking this hero must of Alexandria invented the pyramid exactly, yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. thinking like this must have I'm sure it would have earlier origins than it did yeah but no it what? started the in the coming. late yeah <laughs> They're outraged by the same. <laughs> yeah. Quick, arrest her. She's lying. Yeah. <laughs> In the late 1800s what? is when cheerleading started. For realsies. 
yeah. So, to be fair, hockey and all those sports and stuff, they were just kind of starting to be played in like tournaments exactly. and stuff, right? Exactly. Hockey, because hockey. you associate <laughs> of all the sports. There are apparently oh some cheerleaders for hockey, oh, but no. not no. in the way that no. <laughs> hockey. <laughs> okay. So unlike what Carla thinks, <laughs> cheerleading and football, American football, evolved at the same time. So they are they were like Dang. hand in hand throughout history. Um so so cheerleading started in the late 1800s and it originated in America. There are some okay. I could find in in quite a few sources. There was always this sentence that would say, in the 1860s, people started cheering at in Brit- at British sporting events. They started right. cheering in unison. Okay. And then, and then they're like, so it started there, and then it came to America. But mm-hmm. I could not find anything on this, what was happening in Britain at that time. So I'm like, did well, we you know keep, how there's that like long people history of putting it in. But you know how, like, when you went to... Yeah, Poland. like they sing songs. It's they different than sing it is the chanting. Here. Maybe that's exactly what they meant more? that's kind but of what rich I think. history of chanting yeah. and singing. That's what I think they mean. But I, they didn't have specific cheerleaders. Like they didn't have somebody right. standing there saying, "Everybody, let's do." And they this still now. don't, and rightfully so. <laughs> and they still don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'll be nice. I'll be nice. <laughs> okay, so the first college football game is played between Princeton and Rutgers universities. On November 6th, 1869. Okay. And this is the day when the original Sis Boom Ra cheer was shouted (laughs) out by student fans. What? The history of football and cheerleading basically went hand in hand. So they kind of started at the same time and developed slowly. Yeah. So now Princeton students had been saying cheers on the Princeton campus as early as 1860. But they hadn't been done in an athletic context before this game of football. Okay. So, oh, just I don't, cheering? Yeah, I wrote down, like, who the hell knows what they were cheering for, but it wasn't sports. <laughs> Chess. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, Princeton. <laughs> So these cheers were used by both the baseball and football teams at home and away games, as well as at practices. Okay. So cheering was starting to happen. Um, But that's just cheering in the stands where they would say, kind of doing the unison cheers all together. Right. By 1877, Princeton University had a Princeton cheer. So it was called the Princeton cheer. Okay. And this cheer would be yelled from the stands by students attending games as well as by the athletes themselves. And it was, this is how it went. So there were different versions of it. And I don't know, like, what the whole, like, thing was. I mean, it was just a chant. But so it was basically rah, 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 sis, boom, ah, hurrah, 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 tiger, randomly, <laughs> sis, boom, ah, hooray, 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 tiger, sis, boom, ah, Princeton. So, like, okay, really nonsensical. So, a lot of people, they have a few different cheers. <laughs> this was the the very first one. But people talk, like, the whole sis boom ah, like, it's supposed to sound like 
a rocket taking off or something. So they have this cheer called the rocket. Oh. They have this cheer called the tiger. I guess now one of their mascots is the tiger, but okay. it didn't start that way. So I think it actually <laughs> came from the cheering. I don't know, you guys. I didn't delve into it because I don't actually care that much about uh, this Princeton crap. But anyway, oh by that point, it's important to know that they actually had a named cheer and everybody knew it and they right. did the same cheer every time. Okay. Okay. So now we skip forward to 1882. So this is kind of progressing slowly as we go. Cheers are popular. Yeah. They've got a specifically named cheer and they're doing right. it at sporting events all the time now. Vending machines are making their way to America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People are chewing gum. It's great. Yep. <laughs> Reading paperback novels. Yeah. Making muffins. Yeah, or are they? <laughs> okay, so in uh, Thomas Peebles graduates from Princeton in 1882. He was a student who was familiar with these cheers because he went to the sporting events, all that kind of stuff. He moves to Minnesota in 1884 and basically ends up transplanting the idea of organized crowds cheering at football games to the University of Minnesota. And this okay. is, like, consistent in all the sources. It is, like, consistently brought down to him introducing yeah. it there. Okay. So when he arrived at the University of Minnesota, he was shocked to find that not only did the football fans there not know the Princeton cheer, but they didn't have organized cheers at all. So <laughs> he just started cheering, like, the Princeton cheer because it was just, that's just always what they did. Yeah. And then and he's like, you like guys don't know this cheer? And they're like, no. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you guys don't do any cheers? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he introduces it there in 1884. So then we skip forward a bit. And on November 2nd, 1898, <laughs> Johnny Campbell, he was a University of Minnesota student and he's recognized by most sports historians as the world's first cheerleader. <laughs> because on November 2nd, 1898, okay. the University of Minnesota football team, they were on a losing streak. <laughs> and Johnny had been appointed. Some say he was appointed by the university. Other people say he just took it upon himself to, mm -hmm. like, jump out in front of everybody. <laughs> and he led the fans in chanting the Minnesota cheer. Which was, okay. like, almost identical to the Princeton cheer. It's really funny. Okay. Like, it's all the same stuff of, like, sis boom <laughs> like, rah, rah, rah. I'm just really giggly because I imagined him, like, just going out, but, like, cartwheeling across the whole field for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> just <it's> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so after this initial cheering went really well, the university appointed six male students to be yell leaders so they weren't called cheerleaders at first they were called yell leaders which i love and i wish that they would have kept that and like these are universities they literally can't come up with something smarter like catchier yeah like more spirited yeah also the fact that they had such a specific date <laughs> who recorded that isn't that crazy johnny like, just cheered it's like yeah, exactly. november 2nd like who has these logs at the university yeah. well i mean they know when the game happened but like also yeah, but like, like how could they so specifically bring it down to that one yeah because i feel like you know earlier too like i said that the princeton games it was home and away games like the the universities right. were playing each other this whole time maybe people didn't 
travel to see, but the the teams were there, so they could have said when they came back, you guys wouldn't believe it at Princeton. They're all saying this stuff all together. Like, I feel like there's probably not quite such a distinct evolution as is laid out in all of these things, but I don't know. (laughs) But maybe there is. (laughs) But maybe there is. Who knows? Um, Okay, so they have six male students to be the yell leaders. (laughs) So over time, they create more chants, and they also began encouraging spectators to add gestures such as claps and fist pumps. (laughs) Nice. Okay. And then I have the beginning of a sentence that I didn't finish. (laughs) (laughs) What is this saying? By this point, college football games, and then just blank. (laughs) Single tears. I'm so proud. (laughs) No. It's Carl's Dog Research. What about college football games? What? (laughs) Tell us everything. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness okay so five years later in 1903 the university of minnesota formed the very first cheerleading fraternity called gamma sigma wait a minute cheerleading now yes okay yes so it, a lot of people i don't know when it actually changed to be called cheerleading okay. versus yell leading <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a yell leader. (laughs) Who can yell the best? (laughs) Uh Oh, Carla took a drink of her coffee and now she's trying to not spit it out. (laughs) Okay, so Gamma Sigma was hugely influential with introducing introducing a lot of the things that we now associate with cheerleading, such as megaphones, drums, whistles, pom-poms, and pennants. It escalates so quickly. I know. From it like really gentle, does. like, yeah, rah, yeah. rah, and like a clap to like full on, like warfare. I love it. Well, keep in mind that these are people that are going to like Ivy League universities. So they're like, we're going to be the best at this. <laughs> except for we don't naming do anything things. half assed. Hmm? Well, except for naming things. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> they all have their limitations, okay? <laughs> Okay, so it is important to note, um, because in most places, everybody says Johnny Campbell, University of Minnesota, that's where cheerleading started. November 2nd, very specifically, (laughs) this is where it started. But on the University of Princeton, um, or the Princeton University uh, website, I found this thing where they were like, actually, like, even though it is historically Uh... recognized, and they don't disagree that... The mm-hmm. organization of cheerleading happened at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, they were using Princeton was using the term cheerleader as early as 1897, so an, a year before this happened okay. in Minnesota. They had, but do they have students. a specific date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not specific <laughs> enough. A year it won't cut it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they had certain students who would lead the cheers. And in the stands, they had special cheering sections for both the home and visiting teams. Um, By 1894, so even earlier, cheering had become such common practice at games that the Daily Princetonian wrote an article that basically looked down on any students who refused to, quote, aid their team by cheering. Oh. So 
cheering had like a big thing and they did have oh. some people who were named as the cheerleaders like the leaders of the right, cheering of the cheer yeah okay so while princeton does say that the university of minnesota they did start to organize it in the in the more modern way that we right, see right, now right. yeah um they're like they weren't necessarily the first cheerleaders that because exactly. princeton had cheerleaders before that yeah i'm inclined to believe that but yeah I think that seems a little bit more... We start a whole war on the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, what's God. the date? <laughs> March 24th. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's gone down in history. It's yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the creation of cheer teams or yell squads... <laughs> Also, I love, I want to be part of a yell squad. Can we create our it. own yell squad? Just scream. Uh, this is kind of a yell squad, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> we just turned into that guy who screamed. I love it. Oh, yeah. was that Fox Joe Channel? Rogan. Can I let you finish? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, okay, so the creation of cheer teams or yell squads became a trend that spread to other university campuses throughout the states. In 1905, Texas A&M had a group called the cheerleading state like that was the name of their cheer squad okay which led football and basketball games in chance in a 1909 article from the new york times um they commented on cheerleaders at the annual yale princeton football game and this is the an excerpt from that so quote strangers who see hatless and coatless coatless youths making amazing gestures on the lawn in front of the big pavilion need not tremble for their safety for the arm waving head bobbing young men will not be not maniacs but cheerleaders (laughs) (laughs) suddenly culturally i get why it was just rah rah and it was so sensational (laughs) yes i know right right that's how people are writing about it i get it Okay, so you might have noticed that when I'm talking about all of this stuff that I keep saying men and that the, there were six men in this yell squad, yeah. they were all the things, because it was only men, it was exclusively men who were cheerleaders from the Dang. beginning. I mean, at that time as well, women weren't actually allowed to be in those universities, so Princeton had a thing of, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like, you couldn't be a cheerleader if you weren't an undergraduate student with them, and right. women weren't allowed to be undergraduate students oh, with them so at funny. that time. Oh, that's so funny. I just imagined women there, and I'm like, no. Because, because now we think of cheerleading as being primarily dominated by women. And but even in the stands, were they allowed, do you think? The girls? The stands, like they were. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But just in the as the leaders right. as the in the squads yeah, yeah. and cheer teams they weren't <laughs> allowed as it should be. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, this is a weird stance. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's roll with it. <laughs> okay, so women finally joined cheerleading in 1923, and this oh. was at the University of Minnesota. So the University of Minnesota continued Aww. to act as a pioneer in the world of cheerleading by allowing women to join the cheer team. For nearly a decade, the only female cheerleaders could be found at the University of Minnesota. So Ooh. for almost a decade, they were the only ones that had them. It was crazy. Scandalous. So then when World War II broke out, most college-aged men were drafted into the military, causing a sharp decline in male college enrollment. Oh, yeah. With few men left in college, traditionally male roles, like that of cheerleading, were assigned to female students. Who this opens 
Sorry? But then who played the sports? I know. That was my question, too. But Mm -hmm. there must have been some. There just weren't enough for the cheerleading part? I don't know. So this opened the door (laughs) for female athletes to take over cheerleading. Hmm. And this, combined with, in the 1940s, um, there were very few women's sports. So cheerleading provided an opportunity for young girls and women to participate in athletics because there weren't that many options for them. And it kind of was like this convergence of the two things that it became super popular because they were like, hey, this is something we can do. Yeah. And they need us to do it because there aren't enough men to be doing this kind of thing. Need us, quote, yeah. Yeah, I would say the need wasn't all that strong, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the big shift between it becoming only men that were allowed to do it to now women are doing it and it becomes almost instantly super popular with women to do. Crazy. So that's like the flip. Mm. So in 1948, the first ever summer cheerleading clinic is held by Southern Methodist University cheerleader... Lawrence Herky Herkimer. So Herky mm-hmm. is like his um, nickname. Yeah. There Originally, there were 52 girls and one boy who attended this clinic, which oh is gosh. like in 1948. So it, what, just t- like 10 years earlier than that, it was only men. Women weren't even allowed to do cheerleading. Yeah. And now you're at this like thing. The following year, there were 350 people attending. Oh my gosh. Herkimer went on to develop concrete cheerleading elements that are still used today, such as the Herky jump, which is like when they do like kind of the check mark jump in the air, like oh, you know yeah, when they yeah. like toss them up or whatever, and they like yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, the spirit stick and the pom pom. Now yeah. I think like when I mentioned earlier, maybe that was a typo that they were using the pom pom super early. I don't know if that was correct because he is regarded as the one that invented the pom pom. Right. Wasn't so it he originally been, pawn pawn or something? I saw that somewhere that it was like pom pawn, like an right, M and yeah. an N. There's a good podcast called Every Little Thing, and they, yeah, that's the show I was mentioning earlier, and they okay. covered the, I think, the pom pawn. Oh. So it might be there, so people okay. want to get okay, more. So they'll probably info have on better that. information. I didn't delve too deeply. Not better, into- just. Like well, I just yeah. I didn't look it up specifically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just kind of went with what was there, and there definitely yeah. were conflicting things that I found yeah, yeah. in there. So yeah, definitely if there's oh, something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were the initial pom poms were made out of crepe paper. <laughs> and Crepey paper. <laughs> <yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> the word pom pom is derived from the French word pomp, which means tuft of ri- ribbons. P o m p e. That's what I found anyway. Who knows if that's true. But so he did the first ones that were made out of paper. And originally, I think they were used as decorations and stuff. They weren't necessarily oh, they're not still paper. No, now they're like oh. plastic and kind of like a, oh. a plastic thing. So it was a guy in the 70s that he did a patent on like he he changed <laughs> them at that point and put oh a patent gosh. on it. And a those patent? are the ones that they've used. Yeah. Whoa. OK, so. In 1954, the Baltimore Colts first introduced cheerleading to the NFL. Whoa. This is the first ever professional cheerleading squad in history. That's earlier than I expected. Yeah. I don't know why. And so in the, like, from that time to, like, in the 60s is when a bunch of the cheerleading teams for the NFL, um, National Football League, 
in America when they started having most of them had cheerleading squads after that. Yeah. In 1961, uh, Lawrence Herkimer forms the National Cheerleaders Association, the NCA. It's still (laughs) around today and is considered the most prestigious cheerleading company in the world. Okay. Oh, so it was a a company? Like not an association? It is an association. association. Okay. But But, like they set the rules and all that, right? Probably, I'm guessing. I think so, but I think they also do. Maybe. They they also do stuff because at some point, like the guy who's the manager of the NCA breaks off Mm -hmm. and makes something else, which I think I talk about later. Okay. So, yeah, at this point, it's still very much cheerleaders are very much associated just with sports. Right. Like they're they're not really doing their own thing at this point. So it's only sports related stuff. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I just right away assumed. Okay. Yeah. We'll get to that, though, of them kind of splitting out. Right, yeah. Okay, so in I'm just kind of going to kind of go through a bit of a timeline of different cheerleading things that happen through, like, okay. like as we go through history. I've been kind of doing okay. a timeline so far, but um, these seem a little bit random. But I found them very interesting that cheerleading kind of had a key element through some of these social okay. things that were going on at the time. November 5th, Cindy Lou broke her leg. <laughs> <laughs> and then Johnny Campbell stood up and cheered for her. What? <laughs> okay, in 1967, 17 football players at Madison High School in Illinois are barred from the team for boycotting a practice after only one black cheerleader is picked for the varsity squad. Oh. Following the dismissal of the football players, nearly all of the school district's 1,300 black students boycott classes for a week. Whoa. As schools continue to integrate, one factor adding to tension is the difference in cheerleading styles between black and white schools. Mm-hmm. As Lou Lillard, a black cheerleader named All-American in 1972, explained, quote, the type of cheerleading at black high schools is more of a stomp, clap, soul swing, and at white schools, the traditional cheers are straight arm motions. Okay. So I thought that was super interesting. So at this time, the civil rights movement is happening in America. So for people who aren't familiar with that, that's when... Mm -hmm. The um, African-American people in America were fighting for equal um, uh, treatment, basically. Mm -hmm. So before that, segregation was a thing where, you know, white and black people were separate. Black people weren't allowed to go to a lot of the same places, drink from the same water fountain, you know, sit at the same spot on the bus, all that kind of stuff. They were treated poorly. Um, So at this time, integration is starting to happen, which means that in schools, they're starting to to mix between the races and allow Mm -hmm. black kids to go to white schools and vice versa. Yeah. Tension is high. Tension is high because people are mad about it. Mm -hmm. And um, these poor black students have to deal with this, like, crap from everybody else, which sucks. I just thought it was interesting that it was all started by them only picking one black cheerleader and not picking more black cheerleaders. Yeah. Okay, so in 1969, two years later, um, we have another incident. As integration spreads at Southern schools, some black cheerleaders refuse to to dance to Dixie or wave the Confederate flag. Oh, okay. 
after a high school in North Carolina fails to pick any black cheerleaders for their team, violence erupts. The mm. governor announces a state of emergency and 400 National Guard troops arrive on the scene. Whoa. The result of this is that a black 15-year-old student named Leon Mabane, or Mabani, I don't know how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. is killed in Ugh. this thing. Oh my god. So it's like a big deal. People are like fighting back against this. Them not integrating them because they're like, no, we're really good at cheerleaders, so you need to like let it be a fair thing. But that just shows how significant the cheerleading had become in high schools, especially. That it was such a, had become this prestigious, you know, thing to be allowed to be on the cheer team. Yeah. So in the same year, in 1969, uh, more than half of the 2,800 students in Texas's Crystal City public school system stage a month-long walkout after only one Mexican-American cheerleader is picked by the majority white faculty in a city that is 85% Mexican-American. Oh. So it's I, the only reason I'm including this is just because it's, to me, this mind-blowing thing that cheerleading has this like real connection to what's happening in politics and like the oh, social yeah. structure and yeah. all of that kind of stuff right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, so in the 1970s, Pop Warner Little Scholars, a nonprofit organization offering only youth football at the time, opens up a cheerleading program. <laughs> and this apparently this Pop Warner still exists in the states. So for our American listeners, I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, that it's like this thing that they, and they still have a huge gymnastics thing that, or gymnastics, cheerleading thing that, that people go into. Like it's a big program that they have. Okay. Wow. In 1972, um, Title IX is passed by the U.S. Congress. So this prohibits discrimination against girls and women in federally funded education, including athletics programs. With the freedoms of the bill, competitive sports were offered to female athletes, which dramatically changed the face of cheerleading. Hmm. So later this year, NFL cheerleading starts to get a lot of attention because of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. (laughs) So this is the year that they're founded, and they're known for having really intricate, difficult routines And very revealing outfits. (laughs) (laughs) So the Dallas Cowboys owner, Tex Schramm, decided that he... I know, right? Could could he be a little bit more stereotypical there? I know. Decides that he wanted... uh, That he wants cheerleaders to be more entertaining. And as the team's website puts it, quote, he knew that the public liked pretty girls. (laughs) So he hired a choreographer... um, in 1972, and soon after, another a director, and under their lead, cheerleading becomes a tantalizing dance. So the cheerleaders <laughs> started to perform choreographed routines in short shorts mm-hmm. and midriff-bearing uniforms. So before okay. that, it wasn't as dancey and choreographed. It right, wasn't an yeah. actual routine necessarily. It was much more just yeah. cheer, like yell-based. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the team impl also implements rules that quickly become the norm for pro cheerleaders. So no fra fraternizing with players, no wearing the uniform outside of team-sponsored events, and no weight fluctuations. Okay. Cheerleaders are to be alluring, yet also pure at the same time. <laughs> So they really set the standard for how, like, cheerleaders were viewed. Yeah. And I think probably what our modern view of cheerleaders are to a, mm -hmm. a pretty large degree. Oh, for sure. Okay, in 1976, the first official stunt called a Liberty. So this is the one where it's, like, I think the most common one that we see, where there are two people that hold one up by one mm -hmm. foot. And she holds right. her other foot up kind of, um, like, almost like... A Flamingo stance. Yeah, stork yeah, stance, yeah. kind of. Yeah. And then she puts her arms up in the air or whatever. There are different variations where one where she holds her leg up. It's crazy. I don't know how they do that. Wait, do storks even stand like that? Why is it called stork stand? Because I think flamingo was more apt. Flamingo? Anyway. Yeah, where it's like out in a in an angle, kind of like a bent yeah, knee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so this, uh, the first official stunt was created and taught at cheer camps nationwide. Oh my gosh. Stunting instantly became a popular way for cheerleaders to add difficulty to their routines, and like it became really popular. And in this year, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders performed at the Super Bowl, which shows off their uniforms and dance style to the whole nation. Oh, okay. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in um, 1977, the Cowboys cheerleaders make the cover of Esquire. The cover line is, quote, the Dallas Cowgirls, the best thing about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> a record 475 women show up to compete for 35 spots on the team. Oh, the my gosh. The following year, 1,000 women will try out. Whoa. A New York Times article details what candidates have in store. Quote, stringent conditioning and diet control, rehearsals four or even five nights a week, five hours a night. If you miss two rehearsals and you're off the squad for forever, for forever, that doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because of the strong Christian ethic that infuses the Cowboys program, the cheerleaders cannot appear where alcohol is served, cannot attend parties of any sort, cannot even wear jewelry with their brief costumes. Whoa. Successful candidates earn $14.72 per game after taxes and aren't paid for practices. And fem oh at this God. time, feminist groups start denouncing the team as sexist. So Gloria Steinem, yeah. all of those women were speaking up about yeah. it at the time. Well, that's a huge sacrifice for these girls, right? Like huge, like it's no social life. Massive. No money. They're not making any money. That's no. crazy. And there's stuff. I have a little section in here later about all the lawsuits that end up happening. Ooh. And yeah, they're not happy about it. But they put up oh with goodness. it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 1979, the Laker girls are formed. So the Lakers are an NBA um, team <laughs> in California. So after the Lakers owner, Jerry Buss, decides that he wants to spice up the atmosphere at NBA games, he forms, he <laughs> decides to hire the Laker girls. <laughs> I love their faith in their own teams and games. <laughs> I know. Like, can't Quick, the just... game's boring. Get some cute <laughs> yeah. girls in here. Get it's some like, half-naked girls in here. <laughs> so Paula Abdul is an early member of the Lakers and quickly oh, becomes yeah. the group's head choreographer. 
Oh my god. And today every NBA team has a dance squad. That's so funny. In 1987, the NCA created an all-star cheerleading division focusing on athletic training and competition purposes rather than sideline cheers and pep rallies. Mm. So this is a huge shift from yeah. it being just sports related. Yeah. So this would ultimately separate the school and sport cheerleaders from the competitive cheerleaders. And this oh. effectively made cheerleading its own sport that existed simply for the purpose of competing between different cheerleaders. So this is where you get the competitions between cheer squads mm-hmm. and where it becomes that competitive thing that in the 90s. So this is 1987. So like in the 90s where you have women that are taking out hits on other ones because it becomes such a competitive thing that it's not just But they're just still affiliated based- with schools? Some of them are, yeah, some mm-hmm. of them are affiliated with schools and they can go on to competitions mm-hmm. and everything like that, but yeah. they'll do com- competitions just between the cheerleaders, so where there's no football game happening. It's an actual competition and they're rated yeah, based on I remember, the yeah, because our do. high school had, the girls, they went to... Yeah, our high school really actually good. had really good cheerleaders. Yeah. We had a terrible but football team. I just assumed you had to have, like, you were representing the school school at these competitions that's what i, I think, kind of assumed i think they are affiliated with the schools still mm-hmm. but it's um but it's just it you can also like. i think do like pri- like private join a private group or private club right right I like think. just a separate squad okay yeah probably in the states anyway but i think it's almost like the the cheerleading squads i think it's like a d- distinction of going onto the cheerleading team is like a sport in itself like you don't yes. necessarily have to have a right. good fo- like you know in our high school our cheerleading team was like nationally recognized like they were really good they were really good yeah and our football team sucked like we almost yeah. barely even had a football team yeah but like the cheer team yeah. was like they were their own thing they existed separately from everything else and I wonder if like did for optics reasons they just have a school because if you have like be. a cheer squad made like you know the the downtown fly girls it's kind of like yeah <laughs> i right like yeah they do have some like older they have i think this squad that's like an of older women like 50 in their 50s and stuff that compete at different things not in okay. the same things but i think they do have okay. some that can be but Makes you have sense. to you have to go yeah. according to just like with any other sport that you do a recreational league or a competitive league <sighs> You have right. to go by their the league standards, right? Exactly. So you can't okay. just yeah, yeah. have a random amount of people. You yeah. have to like still conform to certain things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now so that was the basic origin kind of timeline thing. Um, but now I've got a bunch of fun facts as per usual. <laughs> okay. Fun facts. <laughs> George W. Bush was the head cheerleader at Phillips Academy in his senior year of high school in the 1960s. Wait, he's the... He was the president. The son. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he was... was yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's sorry. the the one that was the president when we were... Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Moron. But... Wait, but you know what? Apparently, he's not as dumb as we the media remember like he was painted out to be told sorry it's told side note but like painted out to be completely stupid but apparently he's actually pretty like witty and smart okay and michelle obama is friends with him and stuff like that and i'm just kind of like 
I think he might have been painted out to be really stupid. Yeah. I mean, I think but unfairly was... so. Yeah, okay. No, I'm just surprised. Anyway, I'm yeah. just curious about his whole thing now cuz I'm like was I just But I think that that's like media has that ability to control it's certain crazy, things, though. right? I mean, Although, Will Ferrell acting as him oh playing with the ball of yarn. I mean, that's what's Will, always going to be stuck in my head. I know. Jalapeno. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We're talking about Saturday Night Live sketch where Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell as actor, George W. Bush. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's the best. Yes. Sorry. Just. <laughs> so he okay, was a cheerleader. So he was a head cheerleader in his okay. high school. And he's also a cheerleader when he attended Yale from 1964 to 1968. And there were other presidents who were also cheerleaders. So Ronald Reagan was a cheerleader. Dwight D. Eisenhower was a cheerleader. He played a whole bunch of sports, but then he really badly injured his knee and couldn't play anymore. So he decided to be a cheerleader for the team. Yeah. Or a yell leader or whatever. Yell leader. Franklin D. Roosevelt was a cheerleader. He was a cheerleader what? for Harvard from 1900 to 1903. Hey, presidents, they're in your thing again. They are. Yes. Oh, and so many. Oh, my so gosh. So many. <laughs> Almost all of them. <laughs> and it's not just presidents who have been cheerleaders. Some famous actors have been cheerleaders as well, including Michael Douglas, Kirk Douglas, Steve Martin, Samuel L. Jackson. That was surprising to me. Whoa. And Jimmy Stewart. Some Jimmy actress- Stewart? Yeah. Some oh actresses gosh. who were cheerleaders are Kirstie Alley, Halle Berry, Miley Cyrus, Cameron Diaz, Madonna, and Katie Couric. Katie Couric isn't surprising that, to me. No, not at all. Madonna's <laughs> kind of surprising. That is surprising to me. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Um, among all high school and college sports, um, a football is the most dangerous sport out there. Like, yeah. Cheerleading is the second most dangerous sport played by any high school and college people. Makes sense, yeah. Which is, like, some of the stuff they were talking about, like, girls have died. Like, oh, this girl, a 14-year-old, she was dropped from, like, one of those whatever things, and she, like, her spleen ruptured and she died. Like, these crazy things, like people have been paralyzed and like these insane well, yeah, injuries because, you know a lot of these tricks it's like you're thrown in the air and like those stunting tricks like the stuff they do is yeah unreal like it's you can probably crazy. find some competitions on like youtube and stuff you should watch yeah. them if you think because oh. they do some pretty cool stuff I have to they say. seriously like it's like a very extreme athletic endeavor like mm-hmm. it really is like i mean we yeah. can make fun of them for you know all the the cheerleader stereotypes but yeah man like you have to be a real athlete to do that stuff it's yeah. crazy oh for sure yeah the cheerleader at the top of the pyramid is 10 times more likely to get a concussion than a football player is oh yeah, because so of course scary. these people don't. The cheerleaders don't do it with any padding or helmets or anything. No, they're doing all this stuff with no protection whatsoever. <laughs> Just a little mat, like a at yeah. The bottom, that's it. Yeah, yeah. In 2018, two men joined the cheerleading squad for the NFL team, the Los Angeles Rams. They were the first men to join cheerleading in the NFL. Previously, it was only women. Oh my gosh. Isn't that such a funny flip? Like 2018 is not that and long ago. And it's surprising in the sense that like they do actually 
Like you think that they would be beneficial for certain, like like the stunting thing, exactly. Because right? we is always why have like a boy in, or two on our teams, right? Yeah, we, exactly. Like in college yeah. and high school teams and the like yeah. other leagues, like they have, ones, yeah, they have men. Not at very many men, but they usually do yeah. have men on them, right? So it's interesting that in the NFL they didn't do it, but I think the NFL obviously has that history of it being for entertainment purposes, right? But I mean, what's more interesting? Like, okay, not to be a jerk, but like when I watch gymnastics in the olympics i do mm-hmm. prefer the like men's gymnastics i don't know it's just that bias i guess i don't know yeah. but like it would be fun to see like them flipping around and doing yeah little, like somersault passes or whatever they're called right like totally. along with the women like it could be such a cool thing yeah totally know. okay fun fact north korea has a squad of 229 cheerleaders who are handpicked unpaid and heavily guarded 24 hours a day they even have to use the restroom in groups. If they step out of line, they will be sent to prison camp. They appeared at the 2018 Olympics, and they'll do, like, other appearances. Like, they're, they're not cheerleaders year-round, but when they, ha- they need them for something, they bring them together for months in advance for, like, intense training and everything. So the 2018 oh Olympics, gosh. they were talking, they were completely synchronized. Like, it was crazy. Uh, I know, how to take weird? the spirit right out of <laughs> cheerleading. Oh, my God. Okay, and my last fun fact is a bit long, but it talks about some of the stuff we've already touched on about some of the ways that they were treated that wasn't very fair and the, some of the lawsuits that they've had. Okay. Okay, so in 1995, the Buffalo Jills, who were the <laughs> cheerleading squad for the NFL team, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. They formed the first cheerleaders union in the NFL. Okay. Which I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Turns yeah. out that union was dissolved a year later when like uh. the they were the Buffalo Jills were sold to a different like it was all this like roundabout <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, so over the years, there have been various lawsuits filed by various cheerleading squads for better wages and or better treatment. In 2014, specifically, there were a bunch of lawsuits that were filed by a bunch of different cheerleading groups. The Buffalo Jills were one of the biggest groups that did that, Mm -hmm. Um, but there were a bunch of other ones as well. And some of the main complaints from the cheerleaders were as follows. So they work long game days with little or no pay. They were often paid a flat rate for games that translated into minimum wage or less, usually less than minimum wage. And some, like the Buffalo Jills, only got a game ticket and a parking pass in lieu of actual payment, like a cash payment. So they said they allowed them to sell it if they wanted to, but that meant that they had to sell their tickets to make any money from it. Mm -hmm. They didn't get paid to practice, which we talked about already Mm -hmm. earlier. And they were required to practice between 6 and 15 hours per week without any compensation. Oh my if God. they didn't do those practices, they were kicked off the team. <laughs> could they do endorsements things like? Um, so like, coming, they could do. So they could make better money if they appeared at private or corporate events. They mm. could do that. Mm. Um, but they were also required to attend charity events twice a month, sometimes okay. for free, and definitely oh. always for way less money. Right. Yeah. Um, so some cheerleaders said that they were working about 20 hours a week at these events for free, like not being paid at all for that work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
they had to buy their own uniforms. Like they had to pay for a lot of stuff on their own and then not get compensated properly. They would be fined for minor offenses. So if they brought the wrong pom-poms or workout gear to a rehearsal uh, or practice, they would be fined like $10 for each thing. If they Meanwhile, the football players who... Yes. They have to do the same physical training as like these football players, right? These women. Like they're... Right? They can't just slack off. Yeah. They have to watch their diets and, and their image and everything. And these football players, they can arguably say whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And they get paid how much? Yeah, a ton of money. It's crazy. Yeah. Like there was one um, cheerleader when I was researching this that she said that she had a dot on her uniform from a Sharpie from when she was signing like fans things like because right. she, she had been told she had to go to this signing event right. that she yeah. didn't get paid for there. Right. So she had a dot on her thing. It wasn't big. It's was just a dot. But she yeah. got fined for it. And then she had to buy a replacement top. They forced her oh to buy a replacement gosh. top. <laughs> So now keep in mind that these things that they're getting fined for, like at practices or whatever, they're being fined at practices that they aren't even getting paid for to begin with. So in theory, you could go to a practice and actually be losing money while you're there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So quite a few teams made the cheerleaders pose for like swimsuit calendars and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. And instead of paying them for the photo shoot, some teams would make the cheerleaders... Um, buy a bunch of the calendars and sell them themselves oh as their gosh. kind of payment thing. So they were allowed to keep the earnings from the calendars. So, But they're the, buying them. They had to buy the calendars for $12 and they could yeah. sell the calendars for $15. So they're making $3 off of every calendar. Oh but they're the gosh. ones having to work to sell the calendars. <laughs> and they worked to take have the pictures taken in the calendars. Did they honestly think, oh, it's a privilege to be cheering for these football teams. You should just be glad that, like, exactly. what? Like, what is happening? Because it's not like any of that exposure you're getting or media attention you're getting is actually benefiting you, really. It would have been an interesting thing to see what it would have been like if it had been men that had continued to be the primary cheerleaders. I highly doubt that this is how they would be treated. My gosh. So they were allowed to keep their earnings from the calendars. But if they didn't sell their calendars and they're on the hook for like they're going into major debt. They're not starting with a bunch of money. It's just gross. It's like just using these girls. It's so gross. Yeah. And then the last thing um, that obviously was an issue that, you know, was better or worse, depending on what situation you were in, was the cheerleaders were regularly tested to see if they had gained weight. Hmm. So the Buffalo Jills were subjected to weekly jiggle tests, which consisted of them doing jumping jacks while their stomachs, arms, legs, hips, and butts were scrutinized. Other teams uh, would do regular weigh-ins with strict penalties if there are more. They were more than three pounds over a predetermined goal weight. Mm. Um, so there was also some stuff that it, about like they had regular like auctions that they would be auctioned off to like go on a like oh, date or go on these thing. like golf events or whatever, and they'd have to like sit on the lap because they they would talk about this one golf event that they had annually yeah that they would go and like accompany these men who would be buying them and they had to because there wasn't room in the golf cart they had to sit on his lap in the golf carts and they're like it was so demeaning and so Gross. like not anything yeah, they were and comfortable at what with point is that like cheer like how is that cheering how for is that cheering for a team and boosting morale for a team yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's gross. crazy. Yeah. Ugh. 
So the Buffalo Jills no longer exist. They were shut down as soon as the lawsuits were filed in 2014. Of course. It seems that many of the other cheerleaders are now making at least minimum wage. So that's something, I guess. But it's not. What is wrong with people? They make so much money from fans. So much. And they are honestly telling me that this, like, enter... Any entertainment that you would get on bring, like, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming, like, the Super Bowl halftime kind of thing, what, they're not compensated? Like... Yeah. They're paid a ton of money. And these women are practicing a ton. Like, they're they're expected to be professional at all times and not just at practice and at these things. They're going to charity events and they're presenting themselves well and they're doing all of this stuff and barely getting compensated for it like they did say like obviously there are some charity thing it's almost like they're saying well you have to be useful we have to justify why you're here almost i would love to see if those football players have to go to charity events why do why do professional athletes not have to do that they make millions of dollars each game sports is literally entertainment i'm sorry it's not some like you know necessary thing in life it isn't there's nothing like intellectually you know important about it in that like um, yes you can argue this and that the benefit of playing sports whatever but watching it but sports as a profession and as as, a like yeah i will never ever take it seriously in that way of like Mm. where i feel like any of their paychecks are justified i it's i think it's a privilege for them to be able to play i'm not saying it's easy to train but i feel like it is a huge privilege that absolutely all your life is exercising and playing a sport that you love yeah playing a game because i mean in theory shouldn't any like personal trainer be making the same amount of money or olympic athlete be making the same amount of money yes you know all of that kind of stuff it's like it's ridiculous to me and then when they complain like oh but it's dangerous i could get hurt when i'm playing hockey it's like then don't play it like you have the choice (laughs) yeah that doesn't mean you should be paid millions and millions of dollars just entertainment yeah or or play it without fans then if you're going to defend it as a professional you should be right yeah like you shouldn't need spectators, right? But yeah. right away, it's like, oh, well, you know, we have to pay for this. And I'm like, look, the women are there for entertainment, too. Mm-hmm. They work just as hard. That's just... So, like, include like if them. you're going to pay Why everybody being... ridiculous amounts, then at least also pay them that because ridiculous amount. literally the exact same thing that they're providing. Well, in a the lot of places, when I looked it up, they were saying the cheerleaders are the faces of these NFL teams, which are huge. Yeah. Like, they are, they represent them. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. And I'm like, but you're barely paying them anything. There are some yeah. teams that pay them more. Like, some of them make more than less. But, but it's like, not generally, it's not. Gets, it's not right? the same. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I get it. Fine if they're like, well, they don't generate the income and people aren't going to buy a jersey with the cheerleader's name on it. And I'm like, first of all, maybe if you gave them a chance, maybe people would. Yeah. If we took cheerleaders more seriously as athletes in their own right. Yep. I kind of feel like maybe some little girls would, and I'm not to be like just little girls, I just feel like yep. that might be a huge demographic that isn't drawn, like as yep. prone to buying like jerseys and stuff. Well, right? it's just so crazy that like in but like in American culture, like in high school, mm. cheerleading is huge. I mean, it was causing yeah. riots and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like it's huge. Yeah. They could leverage that and make it in the NFL, yeah. make it a big thing, and yeah. they could sell the merchandise they could sell, 
Mm-hmm. And the way the m- amount of money they can make off of that is huge. Yeah. Well, it's like that toy thing from the Netflix show that Toys That Made Us. They had one on WWF Toys, World Wrestling Federation Toys, right? And it was mostly the male wrestler toys, right? Yeah. But then the, when the women started wrestling, guess what? They could make toys there. And yeah. it was like, cha-ching. And it was so actually like... Just seeing the toys, like I don't follow World. I think WWF is like I just don't like it. Whatever, yeah, it's not for me. But like seeing like the female wrestlers, I was so just like like the toys. I'm like this yeah. is so great. Like, like they're gonna it be little girls. Can who be want. a thing, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and it's just so empowering. And I'm like, you know, cause there's no way that cheerleading is like unless they're just maybe like slutty dancing and that's it. They take out the athleticism out of the thing. Yeah, I don't know what cheerleaders at these NFL or NBA games do nowadays. Okay. Part of me thinks they still do. I think they, they do a lot of stuff still. Like, they ha- yeah. they practice a ton for it. Like, it's yeah. it should be taken more seriously, I think. But anyway, <sighs> that was the origin of cheerleading. That was amazing. And so much food for thought. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Sorry that was so long. We're- no, it's fine. I can race through mine. Okay, well, you don't have to. If Do you want to do yours still, or do we want to split it up into another episode? Well, how long has this taken? We're at an hour mark right now. Oh. I can just fly through. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. We debate for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's do this as I frantically try to find my... Um... <laughs> so, everybody, I am redoing a topic that we recorded once before um but we never released it it was the one she did with the dog episode that i did yeah so we didn't release it and i (laughs) it's been a while i still haven't (laughs) cleaned up my research i promise to (laughs) but nope it's Um, awesome i'll try to fly through i don't remember anything about the topic (laughs) tell us what the topic is the sims yay so the sims is a life simulation video game for anybody that doesn't know the player influences their sim, which is their character in the game, to interact with objects or other sims. There are also like non-playable characters in the game, so you'll hear NPCs sometimes from me or even kids who play like uh, Minecraft. And the NPC, like one very popular one that I'll mention quite a bit is Bella Goth. She's mm-hmm. player. So again, you don't play with her, but she's in the game and you can interact with her and stuff. So sims aren't all like fully... Um, they're not fully autonomous, sorry. So they, they have some free will, but um, in the video game, like they won't pay bills on their own or find a job <laughs> on their own. Like you kind of have to like keep them on track. You do or, some stuff for them. But yeah, if they're they going to pee their pants, they probably will go to the bathroom if you allow them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh, just side note. I'm, yeah. I love The Sims so much. Like mm-hmm. I've had The Sims... I bought the very first version that ever came out back when my computer was like a pile of crap. Like we got a, the first time we got like a family computer was like I think the tail end of grade twelve. Yeah, for me. So like early two thousand. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think Sims had just come out at that time. Yeah, and it was like I was so excited by it, and I think people have this idea of like. Why would you want to play a game where it's just people living life? Like, 
you have right. to because they have their needs and you have to make sure like that if they're hungry that they eat and right. that they go to the bathroom and that they're hygiene like they have to have <laughs> yeah. a shower like you all this <laughs> yeah. stuff that sounds build their super house boring and, and yeah. super mundane and it's like why don't you just go live your actual life <laughs> but like it's way more fun it's I'm, it i is. love it so much yeah i was well, just they, playing Sims it's kind of not aspirational, but like for yourself so much, but like you can have different careers and you yeah. can see where your character goes and even funny stuff like the fact that they can die from starvation, drowning, fire, electrocution, <laughs> and later on old age. It's really comical, like some of the stuff that happens where you're just like, it's so you know, funny. things that you couldn't do in real life anyway, right? It was so funny because I bought- Wait, a new you s- can die and drown and starve in yeah. real life. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that's not funny You mean I'm life. not going to die in real life? Sweet. <laughs> But I remember I sent you a text like this was a while ago. I had just gotten a new expansion pack. And so I was like excited to play it because so the computer game or I guess, well, it's mostly just the computer game that does the expansion packs. Um, so they'll do like a new theme of like tropical living or something and they'll release this expansion pack that you can buy and you can add it into your game. That yeah. It gives you all kinds of new um like a new world to live in or new outfits or new mm-hmm. um, objects like to design and decorate your house with. So it's like always <laughs> kind of exci- sometimes new gameplay options and stuff. Yeah. So it's yeah. always like really exciting when a new expansion yeah. comes out. And I think I had sent you um, a picture because this one expansion, this stuff, it's like it sets on fire really easily. And I put this chair too close to this fire. And I sent you a text with a picture in it where I'm like, my girl, like I just was playing for like hardly any time. And my girl just immediately set on fire fire and died <laughs> like all these other people were sims were standing around and not putting her out like not extinguishing the fire i'm like this is morbid what is happening <laughs> and you and just like killed funnier. yourself laughing yeah there is nothing funnier than like you're just supposed to be having a happy little ideal life in this video game yeah but your sim is on fire immediately <laughs> and there are such funny oh. things like if you look up stuff like on google um kind of like funny like glitches that have happened in the game, you'll see yes. like the most hilarious and funny things. Challenges that come up. people will yeah. like put a hundred people in a house and lock them in and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's really entertaining. It's funny. So Sims was developed by a company called Maxis. Today it's published by Electronic Arts or EA Games. It's a very famous um, game thing now. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Maxis is a video game developer that was founded in 1987. Um, development company, sorry, by Jeff Braun. Um, it was acquired by EA in 1997. Um, it all seems so early, but also not at the same time. I know, right? So, but Sims. Okay, so the story of Sims starts with a game called Sim City. Okay, Which I so also a lot of my stuff is loved. Yeah, so I'll. <laughs> Be talking about that for quite a bit. So, okay. um, SimCity was independently developed by a man named Will Wright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beginning in the first time we recorded this, yeah. um, he, <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic that you knew Will Wright. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> like laughing it off, like, uh-huh, no, you don't. And you're like, no, yeah, I really do. And no, I'm I really like, know. <laughs> How do you know that? I love that. Um, so, SimCity started being developed in 1985, but it was actually released in 1989. So, um, why did it take so long? Um, well, video game publishers were like, what is this? Because the game, SimCity, lacked um, typical arcade 
action elements, like that typical win or lose gameplay. It was right. this like simulation game. So just to kind yep. of backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Simulation games were starting to kind of come out. Um, one of the earliest simulation games, this is like kind of like just generic simulation game, not just like life okay. simulation. Yeah. Uh, was made in 1964. It was called oh. The Sumerian Game. It was a text-based early mainframe game and the first economic simulation game. Huh. One of the more famous early economic simulation games was Mule, or M-U-L-E, like the acronym. That was released in 1983. Mule was actually one of the first five games published in 1983 by the new company Electronic Arts. So cool. Electronic I Arts. I kind of want to go back early. and find those old games. I know, right? I'm, like, I'm sure they're out. out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, another game that was important pre-SimCity was called Fortune Builder, which was released in 1984. It was meant to teach the fundamentals of how business businesses impact each other. Huh. We, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> you develop land with apartments, business factories, et cetera. And there was a parody game, I have to mention this, called Bankruptcy Builder, which makes me laugh. <laughs> so... Sims is a life simulation game where you grow and maintain a virtual life, as we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. um, so AI at the time was everybody was getting into AI research and they're all kind of going nuts, right? And um, there's so there's a history of life simulation video games as well. So not just any old simulation. Um, I just very quickly mm -hmm. played this game that might... So I played SimCity a ton. My dad mm -hmm. got us SimCity when we were kids. Yeah. SimCity 2000, specifically. It's the best <laughs> version. You guys should play it. Um, but yeah, it was so fun because you basically have to, like, build your city, right? And, like, do all these different zones and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But um, he also had us play this game called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And you can find it online because I did <gasps> do it. Later, oh I think when I was in my 20s or something like that, yeah. I tried to find it. But it was basically like a static thing. Your little person moved around the board, but there was like your apartment. You could choose like if you had more money, you could live in the fancier apartments or you can live in the really crappy ones. Yeah. You can get a job. You had to go get a job. You had to buy groceries and you had to like basically live your life like pay your bills and it was like it sounds super boring but i was <laughs> obsessed with it and it was definitely in my mind a precursor to my obsession with sims for sure That's like funny i loved it so much so oh anybody gosh, else never out heard there that, that game. played keeping up with the joneses like <laughs> i hear you let's go find it online and play it some more <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> and i'll start getting into these Early life simulation games, like my segue. <laughs> There's a game from 1970 called Conway's Game of Life. Um, this one is so weird, but sounds kind of fun. I will not explain it to you because it's impossible. <laughs> it's like definitely a math game. Okay. And you kind of don't do anything. This is um, a game where you like set up like initial, I think like genetic things or something. And then you kind of like let it go and you see oh, what happens based on okay. the choices you made. So it's just, you just play with like the initial setup yeah. of it and then yeah. just see then if it works, it like see exactly. how it happens. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, there are like little rules in game, but that's, anyway. Um, one of the first commercially viable games, because clearly Conway's Game of Life must have been a nightmare. 
was called Computer People from 1985, <laughs> which was played on the Commodore 64. Yes. Players would type requests of characters in a virtual house. That's all I have about that. Oh my gosh. I love the title of it, Computer People. <laughs> I know. It's adorable. There were dating simulation games and animal simulation games like Bird Week, where you basically just raised birds, generations of birds. So <laughs> it looked cute, but... <laughs> So by the 90s, AI programming improved, and there was an explosion of games, um, which eventually lead to The Sims, which is still the most successful artificial life game created to date. I just want to mention Minecraft at this point, because some people might think it's like a life simulation game. It's not real, like, because your character doesn't really grow up like the animals sometimes do, but Minecraft is a sandbox game, which means you can create a world, any kind of world you want out of, like... You know, oh, okay. The, yeah. the things that you're given, the tools and everything. And um, Sims, you have a lot more restri- constraints, right? Yeah, Sims is much more like within certain parameters. You have yes. to. Yes, and yeah. there are like those specific goals and this and that. And like, yes, yeah. you can play adventure Minecraft, but I wouldn't call Sims a sandbox game. Not no. many people do. Some people try to, but it's just not. So yeah. I just wanted to. And I'm going to do sandbox games, like the history there, another time, because it's actually really... Oh, that would be fascinating, yeah. Yeah, so video games have a really cool, rich yeah. history. I'm shocked anyway. at how many, like, early ones. Like, obviously, there was always kind of a desire, I think, to have the simulation-type games for whatever reason, mm-hmm. if they existed yeah. that early, right? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so going back to Maxis and SimCity, the objective of SimCity is to build a city where you can make different zones for homes, businesses, etc. You can add buildings, change the tax rate, build transportation systems, and so on. The people are too tiny to see, but they're, they were known then as Sims. <laughs> cool. Um, there are goals in the game, like time scenarios that can be won or lost, but it's pretty open-ended anyway, though. Like, you're going to just kind of see if your city thrives or starts turning to garbage um fun fact the original cities were based on real world cities <laughs> and the peep designers attempted to recreate their general layout so i didn't know that i thought that was really cool yeah i didn't know that either so in terms of inspirations for um some city will write like there are so many things that inspired him or apparently <laughs> okay. inspired him okay I'm going to list eight of them, so hold on to your hats. Number one, he was working on a different game that involved helicopters that dropped bombs on islands, and he apparently enjoyed designing the islands more than playing the actual game. So he started fiddling with level editors to make them more sophisticated. Cool. Another story that came up is that after losing his home in a fire, he thought about the experience of having to rebuild your life and replacing your home and possessions. No, I think that's dumb. He was also... <laughs> that was true. <laughs> <laughs> These all sort of, like, make up. They're all sort of true. I'm like, no, it's that one's yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's a game for us. Which yeah. one's true and which one's not. It's like, a new element of the show. <laughs> he was also getting into urban planning for some reason. <laughs> Whatever. He was into something called system dynamics. Look it up yourselves because, like, what do I know? <laughs> he also took ideas from Maslow. Is it Maslow or Maslow? Maslow. Whatever. Maslow. 1943 paper, A Theory of Human Motivation. Ooh. Ooh. There was some book called Map of Maps of the Mind, which helped him develop a model for the game's artificial intelligence. 
Okay. He was also inspired by a short story by Stanislav Lem, in which an engineer encounters... Oh, this is cool. Okay, so the story is, uh, an engineer encounters a deposed tyrant and creates a miniature city with artificial citizens for the tyrant to oppress. Uh. That's crazy. <laughs> what a crazy story. I have to find that story. It's like, that is, yeah, that is crazy. And I'm trying um, to think, like, there definitely are some people who play Sims where it's like, they just try to, like, do all these oh. crazy scenarios. I'm yeah. very much, like, a traditional player. Like, Me I too. like playing I'm, normal, yeah. like, oh, my family and blah, 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 <laughs> you know, whatever. I, like, I really love designing the houses. Yeah. Or decorating the houses. I'm Maybe not designing design. them as much, but. I'm like, yeah, all the time. I love the decorating time. them so much. I know, right? And then, um, I was laughing. This just came from Wikipedia. Um, it says that the game reflects rights approval of mass transit and disapproval of nuclear power. <laughs> I love that. Like, just transit and then nuclear power. I'm like, okay. So some strong uh, theories, ideas behind SimCity. Okay. Yeah. So as I mentioned, SimCity was developed for Commodore 64. So That's the road crazy. to publishing. This is all kind of important because The Sims basically just stems from SimCity. So right. this is why I'm getting into all this. Okay. So... Wright had difficulty getting the project off the ground. This is from a source. I unfortunately don't have it. I'm sorry. He managed to convince his company to let him work on the project, codenamed Project X at the time, (laughs) in the background while developing uh, other games. Cool. Wait, is this for... Uh Oh. Yeah, this is SimCity. Oh, Lord. Sorry, guys. Whatever. Um, He was lent one programmer for the project, Jamie... Dornbos, who went on to become the lead programmer for The Sims. Cool. Um, so whatever, they're all doing that. Okay, he makes this game. Well, right, he like goes and pitches this game to several major game publishers, including one called Broderbund. Broderbund, sorry, I don't know how to say it. They were reluctant to publish, and they suggested some changes, <laughs> like more gameplay kind of stuff, so people wouldn't be like, oh, what okay. is that? Little, like more um, direction kind of... Yeah, but ultimately they just weren't having it, I guess. I still didn't figure this out um, mm-hmm. because Will Wright then had to go to Jeff Braun, who was the founder of Maxis, right? Oh, and right, Maxis right. was a tiny software company at the time. Once Jeff Braun was on board, they had to go back to Broderbund Bund or whatever to clear the rights. So something there. Oh, okay. It's kind of all messed up, whatever. But. Yeah. So Wright, he finds Jeff Braun. And um, this was in 1988, so and SimCity was almost completed. Okay. Broderbund executives see this almost completed game, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of neat. <laughs> so they signed Maxis to a distribution deal for SimCity and one other game. So, yeah, SimCity was finally released in 1989 for Amiga, Macintosh, IBM PC, and Commodore 64. Okay. That's crazy. Even though simulation games were growing in popularity, keep in mind, this is still early in the video game thing, so not Mm -hmm. everyone was, like, it wasn't, like, everyone was playing, right? Yeah. So people were still, like, the general public, even the gaming public, were kind of like, what? What is this? Right? Because we were used to, like, Mario and, like... Well, and at that time, that stuff didn't even exist, I don't think, right? Like, so early. Oh, yeah. Most people didn't even have... Yeah, I guess. I guess guess we had a Commodore 64. (laughs) We only used it for playing games. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the game sold poorly at first. 
right? It was hard to convince people that a game that couldn't be really won or lost was worth their time. Right. But eventually word of mouth spread and the game shattered everyone's idea of what a game could be. And importantly, it challenged the belief that games were just for kids, right? Oh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, like there was a lot of like geeky kind of stuff happening. Well, because SimCity concepts, like in my mind, are mm-hmm. much more kind of adult based. Like when right? I played it as a kid, I didn't really understand. I was like, okay, yeah, do this, <laughs> then do that, and yeah. this will happen. But now seeing it as an adult, it's like, oh, of course, you're learning yeah. about how the government works and how, <laughs> yeah. like, all these different Where things. Where to build your houses and, exactly. like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff you don't actually think about or care about as a child. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reviewers could also, like, they also couldn't get enough of SimCity. Um, they said it gave players a good introduction to the basics of urban planning and economics. This is where I teased you last time because <laughs> I know your dad liked the game, right? Oh, yeah, because yeah, he actually and, like, encouraged yeah. us to play it. And it just—he sounds he like the kind of person motive. who'd be like, "Here, play <laughs> yeah. with this math game." Like, he was very educationally based. Like, I wasn't allowed to have coloring yeah. books. He's like, "If you want to color in a picture, you have to draw it yourself first. So, oh, Lord. but he let us play. Like, Sim, he introduced me to SimCity. He let me play yeah. that Keeping Up with the Joneses. But because but they now had we know why. some education, planning, background. and economics, exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but reviewers also noted that the game was innovative and addictive, which is very true. It is The game received so numerous awards, and it became a bestseller. Will Wright and Maxis developed other titles like Sim Earth, Sim Farm, Sim Town, Streets of Sim City, which still makes me laugh because it sounds so hardcore. I want to find some the of these. Street Damn Sim City. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Simcopter, Sim Ant, Sim Life, <laughs> Sim Isle, Sim Park, Sim Safari, and da 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 the, the Sims! Sims. <laughs> Yay! My favorite okay. game. Really fun fact before I get into The Sims proper. There was a Super Nintendo version of SimCity released in 1991 or something like that. And in that version of the game, the player has a personal advisor named Dr. Wright. It's based on the game designer Will Wright. Ah. So. And he appears as trophies in the Smash Brothers games, if anyone knows those. And he also, so it says characters based on Dr. Wright also appear in some Zelda games. And I'm like, based on Dr. Wright, so they're basing characters on other characters. I'm like, (laughs) what? Anyway, Nintendo is so great for that. That's so cool. Okay, so Wright said that The Sims was actually meant as a satire of U.S. consumer culture, which is (laughs) funny to me now because EA Games is heavily criticized for Man, charging. they make us buy everything, and we yeah. do it. And we do it. That's the worst. I always tell myself to wait I when know. a new expansion comes out or something. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait until it's cheaper. They'll put it on sale. No, I every single time buy it or pre-order it. Yeah, because I get so excited about it. I know. It's In the so mobile stupid, game, you should you see guys. me. I'm like, oh, it's only three ninety nine for like six hundred <laughs> sim cash. I could just do it. You know, once a year, and then three months later, oh, thirteen ninety nine <laughs> for a, a tree. Deal. Yeah, we're suckers. <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> the original game was simply called The Sims and was released in two thousand. It was developed by Maxis. Yeah, published by EA Games. The game was an open ended simulation of the daily activities of one or more virtual persons or Sims in a suburban area near Sim City. So, loosely tied. <laughs> cool. 
The original Sims game, game had seven expansion packs and mm-hmm. two deluxe editions with bonus content. By March 2002, so this is two years later, right? Yeah. The Sims sold more than 6.3 million copies worldwide and became the best-selling game in history up to that point. Holy cow. So the Sims of 2000 and all of the expansion packs is known as the first generation, right? I think Mm -hmm. we're on the fourth generation now. Yeah. Um, Sims had really fun expansion packs right off the bat, and they're just, they kind of make, like come back um, yeah they kind of replicate some of them like right. like they always do a seasons pack generally yeah, they exactly. do a university pack generally yeah you know cats so there's and like dogs, live in like large and house one. party and mm-hmm. yeah that kind of thing so um one of the coolest aspects of the game and i'm gonna go into that a tiny bit i know we're running low on time but i'll try to be fast one of the coolest things is that people would create custom content for the game. Okay, so I surprised you last time with this fact. So I can't surprise you again, but maybe listeners. Okay, so. I forgot it already. Oh, you did? I just got excited about custom content because I just (laughs) downloaded some for my game the other day. So there's like custom content. So there are Mm -hmm. sites and forums where content creators um, can make their like just custom designs, it right? Like huge. And so people can, will like create their own mm-hmm. stuff, and some make the most amazing, beautiful yeah. stuff. Like Simcredible, and you can is, put it in your game, and it works usually. Yeah, and that's very exciting, right? It's like, amazing for yeah. people who love designing and like decorating in the mm-hmm. game, which is a lot of people play it only for that. They don't yeah. even do the gameplay. Yeah, it's amazing that custom yeah. content is great. Yeah, because you can design. Nowadays, in like the uh, desktop versions, you can do like build each wall of your home, right? Yeah. Like you can do angled yep. walls and all kinds of different oh, levels. Oh, you can do all kinds of cool amazing. Stuff. You can basically yeah. do like full on architecture things and blueprints and it's interior unreal. design and Some design of the your stuff garden. That people build is yeah. just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I even planned my help my sister plan a garden using Sims. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So the mod community is massive and can get super intense mm-hmm. um i talked to my sister about this she's a huge sims one player like she used to play sims mm-hmm. one and she basically just downloaded custom content <laughs> yeah. and then <laughs> yeah like i don't think she ever Sorted played it. the game no i'm kind of the opposite on. well i yeah. do i love the design aspect of yeah. it as well but, but i quite often play. play yeah yeah and i yeah just design but with what i have i try to do in-game stuff like anyway so <laughs> some creators would charge people for the content because but the whole community was in uproar. It's this whole scandal, right? Mm-hmm. The creators wanted to cover the cost of running their sites, and the downloaders were like, screw you, this should be free. So that's a whole fun mm-hmm. history there. So people get intense. Yeah. Here's the fun fact. If you think that fans started, started doing this after the game was released, oh, yeah. think again. Will Wright himself stated that he wanted to put the player in the design role. So... EA actually made customization tools available to players before the game was released. So when the game launched, there was already a ton of fan-created mods available. For the very first version of Sims? Yes. That is insane. I had totally forgotten that you said that. Oh, no. Maybe this is just for The Sims. What do you mean? No, I think it is for, like, the early... The early one? Oh, yeah, for The Sims. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I f- forgot that SimCity was out already. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's not that crazy, but no, it's No, it is crazy. because SimCity doesn't have that no. ca- kind of thing at all. Like, there's oh. no custom content and stuff for SimCity. That's oh. not a side of it. At least I don't think that there is. Oh, neat. Okay. So for The Sims so to have that epic. is like, 
pretty crazy. That was so shocking to me. That yeah. Because that's huge. It is such a huge community now. Like it's yeah. insane. It's nuts. I can't yeah. even stress how much. And for each version of The Sims, they yeah. have some people who still specialize in like the earlier versions mm-hmm. of Sims. Some yeah. have have all of them. Like where you go yeah. to their site, and of course, because Sims Four is the one that exists now, that's the newest right. version. Um, but you go to their site and they'll have stuff for Sims 4, Sims 3, Sims 2. Some yeah. people try to replicate the same stuff they've designed for yeah. other versions into new ones. And it's And just it's so people know, like unreal. Sims 4, well, Sims 3 anyway, for sure. But the level of custom in-game customization you can do is insane. Sims 3 like, was really good for that. Yeah. You can have like, you know, one couch and then like the fabric you can have all these choices and then you can color the fabric whatever colors you want it was like yeah so intense the yeah. kind of stuff so custom content you kind of didn't entirely need it in a way so i'm yeah. surprised to hear the sims 4 still had custom content because well, I sims they, 4 is different though because they've adjusted yeah. it that it's not as they've reduced a lot of that customization mm-hmm. that came with the game right so because you, you were explaining sims yeah. 3 almost blew up your computer yeah sims 3 would be like (laughs) make my computer lag so badly because it was so big and the way that the game worked it just it took a lot more to run it and so a lot of people with sims 4 are kind of mad about it because you can't do a lot of the same things that you could in sims 3 it works very differently but i and i agree like it took a bit for me to get used to it but now I love Sims 4 because I can actually run it on my laptop. Like, it's not, it doesn't make anything explode. It's actually fun. And I don't know, there's a lot of elements to it that I really like, oh, which man. might be controversial. <laughs> controversial? <laughs> Your pronunciation is controversial. <laughs> um, there was Sims Make a Date. There was Sims Make a Celebrity. These are the customization tools that EA made. Mm. Sims Facelift Tool, which actually, like, they had these little, like, bars where you, like, either expand or like the person's face the sims mm-hmm. face and they actually keep those now in like sims games now so mm. it's kind of fun you can like yeah. customize their faces and everything like to such oh, a I crazy know. degree it's now. crazy it's yeah. overwhelming so i don't yeah. like a lot of choices in games i don't so do i get a little bit yeah, yeah. until mm-hmm. i don't have the choice and then i'm like why can't i change the eyes but then i try to change <laughs> the eyes and then it looks ugly and i get angry <laughs> okay <laughs> They had the Sims Home Crafter where you could customize walls and floors. And the most hilarious one for me is the Sims File Cop, which was a program that cleans corrupted files <laughs> to make the game run smoothly. Yeah. So if you had a million downloads, like my sister did, then she probably had wanted this program so your game didn't Absolutely. crash, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the other fun thing, too, is you could have cheats in the game, which I know a lot of like desktop games have that now, but still, it was kind of fun to, like... If you're a Sims fan, you know the word motherload. I just had to oh shout gosh. out to the best code in the world. <laughs> yeah. Motherload gave you like gives you fifty thousand simoleons. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you could keep doing it over and over. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd always start up the game and then just start hitting that cheat. It's yeah, like <laughs> you betcha. I just um, now and it's so crazy because quite often that was the only cheat I would ever use in my games was motherload or kaching is it gives you a thousand simoleons if you don't want fifty thousand. But just recently I realized, because what I would always do is, like, move my Sims into a house, a cheap house that they could afford, and then I'd I'd do the mother load cheat and just get them a bunch of money, and then I'd have to move them out into the house that I wanted them to live in. Yeah. But there's a cheat that is for free real estate, so you can make all the real estate free, so your Sims, you can move them wherever you want right off the bat. 
And what? I only just now, you guys, I have been playing this since the year 2000. And I've only just now <laughs> figured that out. Literally in like the last two weeks. <laughs> oh, it's Whoa. embarrassing. And yeah. if you aren't a Sims person right now, like our brains are mutually melting and exploding <laughs> <Yes>. because what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like I can't right now. I know, right? <laughs> like, do you know how long it took me to save? Because I don't have cheats on the mobile game. Oh, I had to save like so much money, which takes forever to make. Yeah. To unlock this property that I ended up hating because it's too uh, long and skinny. Yeah, and you're like, why yeah. would you do this, stupid Sims original? I know, <laughs> Sims can be very aggravating sometimes. Okay. Yeah, their original designs for some stuff is so butt ugly. You're like, what <laughs> were you thinking? Don't bring up the coffee table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our big fight. I won't. The I use this giant coffee table for everything. It's so stupid. And you hate it so much. I don't so know much. could ever use that damn thing. I'll, I'm going to start saving pictures. You'll see how nice I <laughs> make it look. Okay. You'll still hate it. Okay, so um, I won't go into how the game evolved, but it did. Like, it got way more complicated and cool and fabulous. Not complicated in a bad way. I mean, like, um, Mm -hmm. more technically advanced. The cool thing about The Sims' recurring characters, those NPCs I was talking about, Mm -hmm. is... Okay, so, like, for example, in Sims... Sorry, I'm going to explain my point here. In Sims 2, the Goth family, Bella Goth that she's in there... They were aged up by 25 years. Mm-hmm. And in Sims 2, Bella Goth mysteriously vanishes or dies. I don't know what the actual consensus is there. <laughs> but people have all these theories about what happened to Bella Goth, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, that one had a... Sims 2 had a bunch of expansion packs as well. Then 2009, Sims 3 made its debut. Sorry, Sims 2 was released 2006, I think. 2004, sorry. 2009, Sims 3. Um, And this game is set 25 years before the original. So Bella Goth is just a kid in this game. And her name is (laughs) Bella Bachelor. Yeah, so the game did feel very different. Sims 3 felt very different for, like, um, people who are fans of Sims 1 and 2. Um, Still broke records. It sold 1.4 million copies in the first week. Hmm. Sims 3 had 11 expansion packs. Um, Sims 4 was released in 2014. And yeah, we weren't sure if Bella was in that one. And so if anyone, she <laughs> go is. look up Bella Goth on YouTube. Oh, she she's is? in it, okay. yeah. Because <laughs> at some point there was like I can't remember what iteration she is. But... Like it's hilarious what happens like, there. <laughs> Sims 4 has a whopping 11 expansion packs. 11 game packs, 18 stuff packs, and 10 kits. Um, I think it's important to note, too, that EA Games, they, I don't think it was for Sims 1, but they eventually um, have a store, open their own store for Sims stuff, so you can go Mm. and just buy your own. That was, I think, Sims 2 or 3, I think you Mm -hmm. could go, 3 maybe, that you could go and buy stuff, yeah. Yeah. Individual items Mm -hmm. you could buy, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a ton of spinoffs and other versions, like for other consoles, I mean. Um, so you can kind of play it on anything nowadays. Yeah, like Nintendo, Xbox, I know, I think has. Mm-hmm. A yeah, thing. yeah. Your tablet, obviously. Um, the Sim, just some last little fun facts. The Sims is in the Guinness World Records for most expansion packs for a video game series. <laughs> and as of 2017, the best selling PC game series. So, 
Like ever of all time? Yeah. That's so cool. I know. Because Minecraft is a PC game. Oh, yeah. Mind you, that was 2017. Yeah. And now I think, yeah. Probably overtaken by Minecraft, I'm guessing. Yeah. Man. As of 2019, all of the games combined generated 5 billion US dollars. Oh, my God. Um, a live action drama film was announced in 2007, but eventually scrapped. <laughs> Thank this goodness. One kills me. <laughs> a drama. Like, what? <laughs> Why? Like, make a comedy at least. Yeah. But just don't, you can't or don't. make a story out of The Sims. Like, leave it. <laughs> and finally, Sims have their own language called Simlish. Simlish. And some very famous <laughs> pop stars made songs. In Simlish, I think it was Katy Perry and maybe a couple other people. Yeah, Katy Perry had and, her own, like, stuff pack, I think, at some point. I think oh, okay. three, maybe. Yeah, and a lot of, desi- of famous yeah. designers have, like, yeah, partnered. And, yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, and I guess people, they don't get it or they make fun of it or they might have I'm tuned out. I'm always embarrassed think... to tell people that I play Simlish right. because... It's that thing of, like, I'm sitting around playing a video game, and a lot of people don't get... They're like, why would you want to just go and live someone else's life? Like, just live your own right. life. Like, yeah. you know, it's, a lot of people make fun of it for that. Of like, oh, yeah. you're just making them go to the bathroom and have a shower <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, I was designing today, and it... You know, because I was wondering, like, why do I play this game? And it's like, because I get to design a house that I could never afford. Yeah. I get to redesign. I love design, period, right? So I get to see, you know, how does this work and how does this cabinet work? It's yeah. just, it's like a and puzzle. And it's like almost. you can change a style you know? where you're like, oh, I'm going to make like a cool Harry Potter yeah. house or I'm going to make yeah. a, like a super mid century modern house. Yeah. And, and it's like any other. It and design it. Video game, really, mm-hmm. in the sense, like, I know people said, oh, you don't really win or lose, but it's like, there's still those fun consequences. There's yeah. still the path, life path you can take. The kids it's you can like, raise. It's interesting because in, like, we were talking <laughs> about the Sims community that exists out there, and they've actually created a lot of their own challenges. So mm-hmm. because there isn't that much actual gameplay, like, a, like right. a set kind of, okay, you start here, and then you go here, and then you go there. So people will create challenges, and there's a lot of them are, like, legacy challenges. So they set out the rules where you have to create a household and then you like keep that house like you you have to have like three kids Mm -hmm. and the first kid has to be a girl and (laughs) then she's the matriarch of the next version of your family and they (laughs) had set out certain rules like in every family they have to be like get their skill level to a certain level and paint a portrait of the matriarch of the family that's passed out like they come up with all these like intricate details and how can someone be embarrassed of immersing themselves in a not embarrassed but shame sorry people Mm. if like you're immersed in this world where you can play and create it's pure imagination pure creation it's like minecraft there's a reason minecraft is so popular as well it's very Mm -hmm. similar in the sense that like yes there are things you can do that like it's linear to some extent just like sims right but yeah you know people make mini games the community is huge yeah right it's such a great way to meet other people yeah and it's just like i think it's, it's like just you're putting another creative outlet people's hands yeah too, right yeah. it's like you get to be the kind of the game designer in a way which yeah. is like really cool feeling i think but yeah you get I don't to know, control biased, it maybe. you get to live someone else's life and be like okay, yeah you're gonna be an astronaut you know mm-hmm. which 
And it's so, it's some of the funny jokes that people say is like some of the memes that I've seen where people are like, I wish my life was like Sims, like, because I'm, I'm out of money. I just want to sell a window so I can go buy a pizza. (laughs) Cause it's true. (laughs) Or like paint a picture. Like if you do like the painting skill, you can paint like a picture for like, and sell it for like 200 bucks or something. And you're like, okay, cool. I have enough money. I can buy a sink for my bathroom. Like it's so your brain works in like such nonsensical ways that we wish life worked. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man, I laughed so hard when I saw that thing though. Like that's exactly it. I would sell all of the crap in my house that you didn't need. Yeah. In order to like. But the comedy, like the fact that the kid, I still, it's my favorite thing and started so early, but like maybe Sims 2 or something where like your kid, if you neglect your child that gets sent to military school or taken (laughs) away by social services, it's like. And that still happens. Yeah. And it's so. Like if you have a baby that is like, that you don't feed or whatever, it'll get (laughs) taken away and you have no way of getting it back. (laughs) I get really mad because sometimes I've had my baby taken away because I couldn't, my stupid sim wouldn't get to them in time or they get stuck, like they get stuck in some corner somewhere, like behind some piece of furniture, but you don't notice that they're not able to move. And I always put my time on super fast. And then I'm like, no, they didn't get to the baby in time. That's why I love Sims Mobile because he once forgot I had a kid and toddler was just toddling around the house for like a week. And I could age it up too. And then I had an adult and I was getting really mad. I'm like, get out of my house. Like, who are you, Townie? Like, get lost. And I'm like, oh my God, that's my character. Like, (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) Anyway, that was the Sims. Yay! Oh my gosh. I love, I never realized that it had such a strong connection to SimCity. I mean, it makes complete sense. Yeah. But it's also like, I don't know why my mind is kind of blown by that. That it's I know, and that, that there's, there's like this crazy obsession with like simulation games, and that that's like right away. Yeah, just video games were such a like you know tied to like the whole artificial intelligence thing, and yeah. people use eventually used like some of the technology from these games to like for real world um, applications. Things. Like I'm pretty well, sure SimCity was used for some actual city planning at some point. I could totally see that. Yeah. Not the actual game. I think just the maybe the tech was the tech for, for a yeah, program yeah. for city yeah. planning. And I'm like, that's yeah. Uh, yeah that's these are really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yay. Good job, mm-hmm. my friend. I love that. I want to go play some <laughs> Sims right now. Darn oh, it. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to knock my whole studio yes. over and be like, Sims. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Awesome. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. And remember to like, subscribe and review. It really helps us out. Um, You can also follow us on Instagram. We are at podcast.or.something. Or you can write to us at podcastorsomething at gmail.com. And we will talk to you later or something. Bye. Bye. My voice cracked again. <laughs> Why? Uh, why? Why can, I, can we pre-record me saying bye and just nope. press it? Bye. <laughs> no. Nope. Bye. It's electronic. Okay. Bye. <laughs>